In this series presented by the Canadian Heart Failure Society, you will learn about some of the top heart failure conundrums in patients with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction, and how to manage these common clinical issues in your practice. You will hear about some of the challenges and learn of evidence-based recommendation for the management of hyperkalemia, chronic kidney disease, and worsening heart failure to improve outcome in this patient. An on-demand version of the 260-minute webinar presented on the same topics is available right now at www.imedicus.ca-top33, the number. To learn more about the Canadian Heart Failure Society and find more about upcoming program and initiative, visit us at theheartfailure.ca. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, my name is Anik Ducharme. I'm the uh, president of the Canadian Heart Failure Society and a professor of medicine at the University of Montreal. Practice heart failure at the uh, Montreal Heart Institute. And I have the chance today to uh, do this uh, podcast with Dr. Shelley Zirat, uh, who's a cardiologist in St. Boniface Hospital in Manitoba, but she's also the immediate past president of the Canadian Heart Failure Society expert in Twitters and in shoes. So welcome. <laughs> Good to be here with you, Dr. Ducharme. So first, uh, let's start uh, with a case. Uh, let me introduce you, Dr. Zira, to David. David is a 75-year-old man. He had uh, acute myocardial infarction five years ago and has a uh, uh, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction is LVEF. Uh, the latest I have is 38%. He's an OHA class 2. He's thin, BMI of 24. Uh, blood pressure, pretty standard for this patient, 102 over 65. Heart rate of 70. His EGFR is 42. And his uh, albumin creatinine ratio in the urine is 5.6. His A1C is 6.8%. He doesn't have um, anemia, but his potassium is uh, on the I-ish side, I would say 5.4. He's on uh, metformin, citaglipin, atorvastatin, aspirin, bisoprolol 5, sacubitril vazartan 24-26 BID, furosemide 40. He's on KCL and spironolactone 12.5 daily. So to just to set the table, uh, Shelly, at what potassium level do you become concerned? And what would you be your usual course of action for managing potassium? Well, um, in reality, this patient has a potassium of 5.4. I'm not sure I'd really be too reactive um, other than to stop the potassium supplements. I mean, every practicing physician has their own threshold. But I, I think that, um, you know, it, most physicians would consider a level greater than or equal to 5.5 for being the threshold for um, intervention. And, um, uh, you know, patients with heart failure do have an increased incidence of hyperkalemia and the clinical trials have shown that the incidence ranges from 4 to 11 percent um, in clinical trials involving ACE and ARBs and MRAs. 
Um, but the prevalence overall, you know, is of hyperkalemia and heart failure. <clears throat> it's actually um, impacted both by the presence of RASI therapy and also um, the presence of CKD. So, um, you know, RASI does have an increased risk of hyperkalemia. This patient's on Secubitril Valsartan um, and an MRA. Um, we know that prior hyperkalemia is a risk factor for recurrence of hyperkalemia. And it actually happens at an increasingly shorter interval of time between future episodes. Um, so, you know, and also RASI therapy is disease modifying therapy. So you want to do everything you can um, in order to maintain the disease modifying therapy. Uh, and there are ways to enable you to do so, um, including, uh, you know, potassium binders, which includes sodium polystyrene sulfate, known as SPS, um, or newer therapies, which are much better tolerated, including sodium zirconium cyclosilicate, I call it SZC, um, or pteromir is the other novel potassium binding agent. Uh, and, you know, I actually used uh, the 2018 ESC expert consensus report as a guide for, uh, for my team and myself uh, when prescribing these uh, novel potassium binders. Um, and, it, you know, the, this uh, consensus report, it actually asks um, really two questions. It asks, is your patient on maximum tolerated guideline directed medical therapy with a RASI? Um, yes or no. And then uh, different actions for different levels of potassium. So uh, let's say, uh, you know, if I was having a potassium level greater than 5.5 consistently, um, this is a person that I would consider starting one of these novel potassium binders in, in order for me to further uptitrate um, RASI therapy and provide additional benefits. Okay, so let's say like the threshold is 5.5. We know there's usually no clinical event uh, above six. So what uh, for my, I'm coming back to David here. The potassium is 5.4. We stop the um, uh, potassium supplement. Uh, would you be uh, willing to increase the sacubitril valsartan, or you would say, no, I don't want to do anything? What, what would be your approach to this guy? And then uh, we'll tackle the MRE, which is only at 12.5. Uh, well, I guess... Um he is not yet on all four foundational therapies though. Is that right? He's it's not right on, that he's not. Yeah. So, and so, you know, I think that's a priority for me. Um, we do know that addition of SGLT2 inhibitors does seem to facilitate um, uh, and uh, reduce the risk of hyperkalemia developing in patients on MRA as well. So I think that that's an important aspect to consider as well. So I would actually start, um, you know, get rid of his metformin, citagliptin, um, replace it perhaps with um, an SGLT2 inhibitor, either dapagliflozin or empagliflozin. Um, and that may also facilitate um, up titration of both MRA as well as potentially secubitril valsartan as there's less hyperkalemia.
That's great. Thanks. And the last question I would like to discuss furthermore with you is how do you manage patients with chronic kidney disease? Uh, your patient with heart failure, can you discuss a little more the interaction between uh, heart failure and uh, chronic kidney disease, the recommendation for the management of the two um, disease? Yeah, well, certainly there's been um, a lot of wonderful research being conducted in the cardiorenal metabolic realm. Um, and certainly uh, the data from our SGLT2 inhibitor clinical trials, both DAPA-HF and Emperor reduced um, has shown both improvements in cardiac outcomes in patients uh, who are prescribed this class of drug, but also improvements in renal outcomes as well. Um, so we're seeing both cardiac and renal benefits sort of across clinical phenotypes, most certainly in HEF-REF, um, we're seeing it. And um, in fact, uh, the reverse is true as well in patients with chronic kidney disease who are being prescribed SGLT2 inhibitors. We're seeing improvements in renal outcomes, but also cardiac outcomes as well. Um, so there's really, um, you know, a reciprocal benefit. I think a, a big aspect of learning for cardiologists is recognition of uh, what's called the Cadigo heat map. And this is um, sort of a heat map which shows that as EGFR is reduced, uh, as well as albuminuria progresses, there is an additive risk of cardiovascular events, as well as heart failure events in those patients, as well as renal events in those patients. So I think using uh, the Cadigo heat map as well as EGFR and UACR as biomarkers of cardiac and renal risk is an, important for us to recognize as clinicians. For those of you who want to see that uh, map, it's available on the uh, video of this podcast on imedicus.ca backslash top three. And well, thank you very much. That was really informative. So if I can summarize the key learning points today is dyskalemia is common in heart failure and is associated with poor outcomes. Hyperkalemia is not a reason to discontinue guideline-directed medical therapy. And the management of hyperkalemia, like Dr. Zira told us, can include lifestyle modification, RASI adjustment, and the use of potassium uh, binders. Uh, and what I think is extremely important to remember is there is a consistent benefit from guideline-directed uh, medical therapy across the spectrum of EGFR in patients with both uh, chronic kidney disease and heart failure. And lastly, but not the least, SGLT2 inhibitor have been shown to improve outcomes across the EGFR spectrum. So we need the four foundational therapy. Thank you very much uh, for your time, uh, Dr. Zirat. It's always a pleasure. Good to speak to you again, Anik. This program was made possible through educational grants from Bayer and Otsuka Pharmaceutical.